0: This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. Good morning, church. Good morning. It's uh, it is great to see all you guys today, and I I hope that you are focusing in on Jesus and His work and what He is doing. Let me tell you that. Uh, Dave uh, failed to mention one point that I think is extremely important, and that is God is writing a story here inside of Alhambra, and Caneo Church, which is a sister church of ours, is closing uh, their doors February 2nd, and the reason we're starting another service is to join with them so that we together, as redemption, can become a part. I think that's uh, uh, something to be excited about. Some of you who came over from Caneo came today and uh, introduced yourself to me. We are so glad to have you, and we will tell you that our biggest goal in this is to not be Caneo and Old Life Connection, but God is doing something new, and uh, He's forming a church called Redemption Church Alhambra, and we're extremely excited about what God is doing, and He is the one who is writing this story. So if you're mad about it, be mad at Him, right, Uh, because this is His story. Um, but I, I just want you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite bi- Bible texts. Uh, I tell you what, it has spoken to me many times and fresh this year, this week. Um, we are in a series in Romans. We spent all of last year with redemption, even though we weren't officially redemption. We hijacked, jumped on board, and, and, and became a part early and started preaching through with them in Romans. And so now, for the first time, we are preaching as a redemption church in Romans um, together with all of the redemption churches across the valley and uh, we are so thankful for that. And so if you could turn to Romans chapter 8, we're going to pick up there. We spent all of last year covering through uh, Romans from from the first part of it. and We'll kind of do a quick overview because if you weren't here last year, I'll try to run through it and catch you up. First of all, from Romans chapter 1 to chapter 3, we dove into the depth of sin. Now when we talk about the depth of sin I'm not just talking about uh homosexuality and disobedience to parents and lust and all the kinds of lists that was there in chapter one although it is sin but there was another depth of sin that we dove into and that was you started in chapter two and chapter three and that was self-righteousness and religion and the depth of pride that comes with morality that I'm a good person and I and I can earn favor and grace with that that is also The depth of sin that we would even think in our hearts, in pride, that we deserve God's gift of grace. The depth of sin, and then we spent a a whole chunk of time diving into the depth of the gospel as we got into chapter 3, verse 20, and we turned that corner as we talked about redemption and justification and propitiation and all those things that we dove into at that time. Incredibly rich, incredibly deep. The truths that come that we are legally Jesus's. He purchased us and he has made us his legally. We are redeemed. That means we were slaves. And he came and redeemed us out of that, out of that slavery and purchased our freedom. That's where you can say amen. Now listen, I, I just tell you this, I, I do like it when people say amen. If don't like to say amen you can take notes and I'll take that as an amen all right uh propitiation now uh that word propitiation is this religious term that God has provided for us a sacrifice and he's acted graciously towards us and then we dove into the depth of faith in chapter four the depth of faith that we're that we were looking at for a, a quite a s extended period of time that that faith is not just i say it and it happens faith is not just i believe really hard faith is a complete trust in the person and work of Jesus that we're trusting in grace alone and in Christ alone through faith alone and then we dove into the depths of one of the the most exciting parts for me as I began to learn about what it means to be in Christ. I've been so impacted by it. My wife and I have been reading different books about union with Christ. It has so impacted my life. Just the reality that God did not just make us legally His. He didn't just say, you are forgiven, which is incredible. He didn't just come into the courtroom and say, you're forgiven, but stay away from me. He brought, us as those who have offended him who were rebellious against him not only did he forgive us but he said you are mine and I'm bringing you into union with me and we are in him and he is in us that deserves an amen I tell you in Christ we are in Christ and then in chapter 7 we started talking about the shallowness if you will of the law Because there's something in us, even if we believe that we are forgiven, we believe that we've got to live up to some standard to prove to God how much we love Him. We talked about the shallowness of the law, but the depth of freedom that we receive. Paul, in chapter 7 starts to talk about this wrestle between this law of the flesh and the the law of the spirit and in chapter 7 verse 24 and 25 we ended last year with this he said oh what wretched man that i am who will deliver me from the body of death thanks be to god through jesus christ our lord so then i myself serve the law of god with my mind but with my flesh i serve the law of of sin. He ends this wrestle saying, why do I do the things that I don't want to do? And then do the things and he starts acting like, you know, just he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth but he's he's relating to the struggle and the wrestle and the the struggle between the law and the flesh and, and the works. Many of us entered in and learned a ton about the shallowness of the law and the depth of freedom that we have in Christ. Now, with all of that in mind, could you stand with me? We, we like to stand when we read God's Word together. We're going to read Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, and we're going to read that together. If you can look at it, we're going to make a few points, and then we're going to respond to this text, because there's not any way that you can preach the richness of this text and not respond. But after this wrestle, after this shallow law, after we went through all those seven chapters, let's read this. I'll read as you... Follow along, but let's stand together. And remember as we're reading, this is God's Word. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh... And for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. God, take these words. By your Spirit, would you take these words and make them alive in us? We need to hear from you today, God. There are so many who are struggling and and believing that they have to live up to some standard. God, today would the gospel be so preached that we could be set free from that? Stir in our hearts, God, what it means to live with no condemnation. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. Here are two things that I want to make sure that we learn from this. Two things that I want us to be sure that we get. One is, your sin has run up a debt with God. And you are not rich enough to ever pay that debt off. I hope you hear this. Your sin has ran up a debt with God. And we spent seven we spent all of last year's last year in seven chapters pounding that in. Your sin has rang up a debt with God. But there is something in us that likes to believe that although I am in debt, someday I will be able to pay it off. Anybody? It doesn't matter. You don't even make enough to live. But you think, you know what? I can charge 10 grand on my card. Someday I will make so much money that I will be able to pay it off. You're like, if I just cut back a little bit on my food budget, I'll be able to pay this thing off. In your mind, even though you don't have enough, you still think I will be able to scrimp and scrape, I will be able to live. I will be able to pay that TV off. I need it. There's something in us that believes if we just put our mind to it and try harder, we will be able to fulfill the law. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go look this up because uh, you will find some things maybe that you'll say, oh, pastor told me to watch this. Don't say that, okay? Uh, uh, Kean Peel. Have you ever heard of Kean Peel? Uh, no, don't watch it. Now I'm not, I, uh, It's funny, but don't watch it. Uh, Keyan Peel do do a lot of sketches. And, and one of their sketches is this basketball player, and he just won like a, a big championship and he is hyped up. I mean, he is like, oh, oh. And he's like, he's a bl- his brain's about to explode. And he's on the mic, and the, and the commentator, the announcer is saying, how do you feel right now? And he goes, oh, I just want everybody to know you can do anything. Just put your mind to it, and you can do anything. How many of you have ever heard any celebrity say that? you have a dream you can fulfill it well then he takes it to another level and the announcers say man he's so hyped up and then he goes you can fly <laughs> and he goes man he believes he can fly because man he's so hyped up right now he's like, no literally you can fly Kids, 8 to 12, get up on your roof and you can fly. Jump off of it. And the announcer's like, no, kids, please, don't jump off the roof. And he's like, no, literally, preteens, you're a car. Get a friend on your back and go to the freeway. And he just keeps speaking these things. You can do anything! And he's saying all of these things and it becomes more and more ridiculous. The reality of it is is we laugh at it but something in us believes by the law of the flesh that if we just dig deeper and try harder we can do anything until it becomes extremely ridiculous. But much preaching is like that today, and you must beware, although it feels good, it is not true. If I stood up here and say, you could fly, go up on your roof and jump off, you can do anything through Christ who gives you strength. Church, we laugh. But much of our teaching is like this. And the reality is, you will never be able to pay the debt that you owe. And number two is this. God has covered your debt with the riches of His crucified Son and the resurrection shows that the check has been cleared. That with the crucifixion, what you see is Christ paying the debt. With the resurrection, it's saying that check didn't bounce. It's cleared. And there's plenty more where that came from. This week I, I had a, uh, an interesting thing that I want to illustrate this point with. And I want you to look at this point. It says, if God did this, if God paid it with the riches of who He was, if God did this, wouldn't it be so that you would not, so that you would feel loved and provided for and that you would not try to pay Him back? This week, I want to show you, my son is 11 years old. He just got... Uh, uh, Text messaging and stuff like that So now he's texting me which is a weird Thing texting with your 11 year old Son it's weird I still have To get used to it when I when it shows Up on my phone I'm like Kairos, what is he Texting he's 11 (laughs) Oh yeah I got him a phone What what was I thinking So he texts Me and I'm going to show you a text Here this I did ask for his Permission because some of you are going to read This and go I would Not want to be your son Okay? <laughs> and I'm just, hopefully you'll stay with me. This is an actual text message. And I, you might not be able to read it in the map, back, but hopefully, uh, hopefully you can see it. It says, hey, Dad, you don't have to, but I was wondering, for watching the kids twice, can I have a dollar for a game on my iPod? LOL, that's me. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously? Just ask for a dollar, don't make me owe you. If I owe you money, then you are in major debt to me for all I have done for you. If you want me to give it to you, that's a different story. So then he said, yeah, can you give it to me? Because I watched them. But you don't owe me, it's because I did a good job watching and you think you should give him him. He said him, you think you should give him a dollar because he did good. My response, what if I just don't want to do it because, what if I just want to do it because I love you, like getting you stuff when I can, I like getting you stuff when I can. If I did it because of work, don't you think you wouldn't owe me for all that I've done for you? Could you ever pay me for all that I've done? And he said, okay. and I said okay what and he said what do you mean (laughs) I said read what I wrote and think about what I'm saying okay then he said no I could never repay you and I said okay so if it's out of work I owe you nothing but if it's out of love I want to give when I can does that make sense And he said yeah I said, it's the core of our relationship with Jesus. I went in preacher mode all of a sudden. (laughs) I could never say, look at what what I did, Jesus. Can you give to me? But I can't ask because he loves me. You see what I mean? And he said, what are you saying? I said, I want you to understand God's love for us and my love for you. He said, okay. Okay. It is a bigger lesson that as your dad, I really want you to learn. And he said, okay. (laughs) Now, here's what he said. I said, you should think about it because it took me a long time to understand it. I love you, son, more than you can do for me. And I am thankful for how you are growing and learning. It makes the gift pointless if I'm doing it because I owe you. I want to buy it for you he said I understand I said do you see how this relationship how this relates to your relationship with Jesus he said yeah I said how he said because Jesus doesn't owe me anything and because he loves me he provides for me and provides for me my needs and my wants when I don't deserve anything and I said I said Amen." that's (laughs) and I said that should give you great joy confidence and trust it also sets you free to live life in God's grace. I said, love you, buddy. Sorry that your dad's a preacher. LOL. Hold on. It gets better. He says, it's okay. I like it, but I never got the answer. Can I have a dollar? Wow. I said, LOL. Yes. I would love to buy it because I can and because I love you. And he said, thanks. Thanks. I asked him if I could use this, and there's a reason why this. As funny as this is, and I tell you, I laughed so hard. As funny as this is, this rang a huge bell for me because this is how I lived my life. I lived my life trying to give God my work so that he would give me a dollar out of the thousands and thousands of dollars that he has. My God is so rich. My Father has far more than a dollar. But I want to hold Him to buying me something that I feel like I've earned. When you are feeling distant from God, it is because you have measured yourself and come up short. This leads you to believe that God must be measuring you by the same standard. So at the end is a false conclusion that God is distant from you. But when you are in union with Jesus, what becomes the standard of God's measuring up is that Jesus is the standard. And He never comes up short. I posted this quote online from Ray Ortland, and here's what he said. At what point will you allow yourself to let go of your self-hatred and rejoice in the sufficiency of Christ? At what point will you stop texting your father and say, I watched the kids a couple of times. Can I have a dollar? When are we going to stop trying to pay him back and just be loved and when that happens my friends this this hymn from Charles Wesley begins to be the song that is on our lips no condemnation now I dread Jesus and all in him is mine alive in him my living head and clothed in righteousness divine Boldly I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. You have no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this gives us boldness to approach our Father and not say, Can I get a dollar because I worked? But just say, God, you love me, and you know best. There's a big problem with this in our country, and and here's the reason why. We don't understand covenant anymore. We're so used to dating and then carrying over dating into marriage and thinking that marriage is just more committed dating. Do you understand that, that dating in our culture is all about watching people try out to be good enough for you? Or them trying out or you trying out to be good enough for them? What does this produce? Well, here's what this produces. This produces people who for a period of time act a way that they would never act. To try to put on a front that would show people things that we want them to see and hide from them things that we don't want them to see. We see things that we like and we do not like seeing how willing they are to change. People inside of a dating relationship, hear me this, are actually not their true selves. They are trying to prove their worth and their value, and they're trying to show that they are worthy to be loved. And inside of that, there is much condemnation and much law. And many sort of rules. And many sorts of, of living up to and standards. And we lay it on each other and we lay it on ourselves. And we are trying each other out and keeping a close eye on each other. Listen. They're actually not themselves. But inside of a covenant, at least biblical covenant, not modern covenant. Inside of marriage, the covenant is... I am yours and you are mine period you are loved and my love for you and your love for me guides us hear me on this I am NOT telling you in any way that my wife is perfect And I'm not telling you in any way that I am perfect. But here's what I will tell you. Inside of our relationship, nobody knows the deepest, most darkest secrets of my heart or her heart more than each other. And the crazy part is, when we know that about each other, we actually love each other far deeper than when we were trying to prove nothing was wrong with us. And inside of that, it is love that guides me to live a life that serves and loves and provides for and gives love has its own law but it's not law written on stone and it's not a law written in practical advice and it's not a law that is behind That law, a judge who if you don't live up to that law, you will be condemned. It is, you are loved and I love you and you love me and inside of that, we are one and inside of that, I want, I'm empowered by that love to do things that other people would say, you're doing that to earn her love. We do things that look very regimented. We do things that look very law, if you will. But the reality of those things are they are rooted in not me trying to prove something, but me trying to express something. I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm expressing Here's what Ray Ortland says in a book that he wrote on Romans chapter 8. He says, but union with our Lord not only saves us from God's wrath and restores us to his favor, it also opens us up to a new hopeful arrangement for living. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says this, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus and the law of sin and uh, from the law of sin and yet death verse 3 for god has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in his likeness of sinful flesh he condemned sin in the flesh in order that here's verse 4 the righteous requirement of the law might be ful- fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit isn't it interesting that in chapter 7 and he shows the weakness of the law that is in the flesh but in chapter 8 he shows us there is actually another law god did not release us from the law to be lawless he released us from the law to bring us into the law of the spirit That what he's showing us is in the law of the flesh, when we look at the law written on tablets, when we look at the moral law, when we look at this law that we have to live up to, what we see is God revealing his character in the Old Testament, showing this is how you should live your life. And none of us in our greatest efforts could live up to that. And so what he's saying is the law is weakened by the flesh because the law can only show you God and his character. But what Jesus did by abolishing the law and breathing his spirit into us is not just removing the law. What he did was place his character, his heart, his spirit within us. That this law is not just something you're trying to live up to and not just something like, man, that would be nice to be able to do. This is His Spirit living in you. Condemnation has been removed and we have been rescued and we have been restored and we have the power to live a new life by the Spirit. This is the law that we are talking about. This is the law of union. This is In covenant, there's no condemnation. That that my wife knows that she cannot live up to perfection. I know I cannot live up to perfection. There is grace and there is mercy inside of that. There is forgiveness. There is working through. There is tears. There is pain. There is wrestle. There is struggle. But there is no proving. There's no proving. You are mine. And I am yours. And we are loved, and inside of that, proving goes away and expressing by the power of love and by the power of the Spirit that we see here becomes that which moves us. Why do I do things for my wife? Not to prove myself, but to express how much I love her. There are things I know that she hates, and because I love her, I don't want to do those things. There are things that I know that she loves, and because I love her, I want to do those things. Do I always do them right? No. Hear me on this, church. When we abide in Christ, and His Spirit abides in us, what happens is, we see it in chapter 8. Condemnation goes away. Why? Because we are in Christ. You hear that? When you are in Christ... Everything that is true about Jesus is true about you. That when you stand before God on Judgment Day, He doesn't see you, He sees Jesus. And we are in Him. That we are right before God. Why? Because we are in Christ. Condemnation goes away when we are in Christ. But hear this. Lawlessness. Lawlessness goes away when Christ is in us by the Spirit. This whole idea in our minds that if I don't have the law, if I don't know what to do, if I don't have this law of morality, if we don't tell people do this, do this, do this, do this, then nobody, then everybody will just go out and sin and do crazy things. What they don't understand is The power of covenant, the power of union, the power of no condemnation that we don't have to prove ourselves anymore actually frees us because His Spirit lives in us to live. The gospel is not a set of moral laws or standards. It's a rescuing. It's a union. It's a new life. That is why I can say with full confidence I'm full of myself. I'm frustrated. I'm defeated. I'm discouraged. I'm sad. I'm, I'm broken. I'm, I'm sinful. But. See, some of you all don't get to that but, and the but's the most exciting part. You just end right there. This is all things, but you don't get to the place where you say, but Christ. One of my favorite words when you look throughout Scripture is, When you see we were aliens and foreigners and sinful and broken, we see all of that and people just camp there. But the reality is there is a but that comes. There is this beautiful type of expression that says, but Christ is sufficient. Christ is victorious. Christ is sovereign. Christ is capable. Christ is loving. And when we see who Christ is, an and comes. Do You hear this? There is, this is reality, this is the but, and here is the end, Because I know this is who Christ is, and I am forgiven. And I am free. And I am pressing on. And I am walking in this. And I am loved. And I am accepted. And all of the ands that come from the but. We rejoice in. Do do you hear the power of the gospel that is so being preached all throughout Romans chapter 7? And then, as one theologian says, Romans chapter 8 is the shine on the diamond in the ring. Of Romans that this shines forth this is a banner planted in the middle of that battle that Paul was talking about this is a banner that is planted in the depth of who we are this is what it means to be gospel-centered there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus And because that is true, there is an and. But this is who Christ is, and there is no condemnation. And His Spirit empowers me to fulfill the law of Christ, the law of the Spirit. Next week, we're going to spend all of our time Focusing in on what does it mean to set your mind on that truth? As the band comes, I, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes, and I'm gonna end this in a time of prayer. And you can see why I said up front that there is no better way to end this service than responding to what we just heard. <laughs> Church, these truths, these buts, these these truths that we hear that this is who Christ is, and because of that, there is no condemnation. If this is not true, you want to know who we are? We are children texting our fathers who have far more than a dollar trying to put him in debt. When the reality is the minute that we hold God to our works and try to put Him in debt to us is the minute we are crushed by how indebted we are to Him. But the minute we rejoice in the riches of Christ, in the resurrection in the finished work of Christ that is an endless bankruptlessness. (laughs) Uh, He cannot be bankrupt. An endless supply of grace and love that removes all condemnation puts us in a place where now it doesn't set us free to live lawless life. It sets us free to live by the Spirit. Today we're going to be invited to respond church I pray that you do I pray that these truths spark a deep a deep deep rejoicing in our hearts I pray that these truths call us to lift our hands in worship to sing to rejoice I pray that these truths lift our eyes to the one who is so loving and good Let's pray. God, you are so good. You are so rich in mercy, abounding in love. I have sinned in trying to put you in my debt when you have paid an an unpayable debt for me. And I'm trying to pay you back with pennies. God, every time I do that, I miss the truths of your payment. The gift becomes worthless if I try to pay for it. God, I pray that today as we partake of communion, as we worship, that our hearts would be overwhelmed. God, that as we give in our tithes and offerings, it would not be just so that we trying to pay you back, but it's to express our love, that everything we do in this time would just be an expression, and that our hearts would overflow by the Spirit of God. Lead us now. In Jesus' name.